the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about healthcare these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor. And he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD. And I'm barking at you from Tampa Bay, Florida. But, of course, we're everywhere now getting calls from California and New York. So, apparently, somebody's hearing about us. So we'll call me the International Dr. Bill. We have Canadians and Brazilians. And you can reach me at WGUL 860 AM. We are an iHeartRadio station, 9 to 10 every Sunday morning. And if you have a computer and a headset, you can get me on the, on the Internet at 860WGUL.com. That's 860WGUL.com. And this is interactive, and I usually have a couple of questions, which I do today. We'll give away two $25 gift certificates. And our phone number, if you want to write this down, is 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860. And toll-free in North America, 877 877- Nine six nine eight six zero zero. That's eight seven seven nine six nine eighty six hundred. So, stick with me. Well, I got jumped by a couple of mothers this week, and they're upset about this Common Core curriculum. And this is a pretty big deal because it is going to affect not only the states in our country, but it's going to be an international effort some of which has been elided over by the left wing because they don't want you to know that or they don't know that, one of the two. So what is Common Core? And why is it raising questions about the control and future of our education? This is a big deal. It's more centralized in an effort to ensure consistency between the states and uh, over the long haul between the countries. And we have questions that we want answered about this few of us heard about this in 2010 and 11, but now most of us have heard of this. And do standardized curricula mean better educated students? That's the first thing we want to know. And should we allow an organization like OECD set the standards for our country and for the world? And are the basics that they are promoting any different than what you and I had in our generation, I'm 65, and what our 40-year-old kids had? The way in which things are being taught, at least at the math level, is a little different, although the higher-order math problems that I saw in content were similar to what I had as a kid. 
But the content of the questions also reflects concerns of the OECD, and I'll give you an example of that later in the show. And, of course, it's environment and war and peace and even distribution of money, you know, the old socialist rap, uh, flap trap. And even more, is OECD accurate in its assessments of what our needs are, much less the needs of other states in our union, much less all the other countries in the world? A lot of the planning that I've seen over the decades in teaching have largely not done what they were supposed to do because kids aren't stupid. You know, they'll go to college and hear liberal professors, but my son, who's a freshman, he's already talking about how can I make the most money? Good boy, that's what you should be doing. You should be thinking about how you're going to take care of yourself financially in the future and hopefully a wife and some grandkids. And if you remember from a previous show, we had talked about OECD and its assessment of our health care system, which it claimed was the most expensive per capita of all the countries that they uh, polled on this, and that's a bunch of baloney. Guess what? You can get a CT scan or an MRI here in the United States cheaper than anywhere else in the world I've seen, self-pay rates. And self-pay rates for surgeries and hospitalization are low. And yet our quality remains high. We'll see how long that lasts. And guess what country is the most frequent medical travel destination? You got it, us, the United States. And not only from outside of the country, but also from other states. Washington, organization out there, I forget if it's the Seattle uh, City Workers or one of the groups out there that's uh, organized, they've made a contract with Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. So all of their elective surgery goes there. How you like that? Pretty cool, huh? So what's the, what's up with the mothers? Why, why are they jumping me? I didn't do this. So one mother, she writes me, she says, oh, yes, comma, and I quote her, this is not me. That sucks. The new common core math I have to do with the kids. You can't do simple five plus four anymore. You have to show how you got each answer, and it's just so stupid. The reading thing is ridiculous. There is so much testing all the time. They would take Hunter out of class to teach him for his FCAT last year, and Eli in kindergarten was also tested frequently. And another mother at Shorecrest, she's got some teenagers over there, Dr. Robin. I tried to get her to come on the show, but she's chicken. That's all right. We'll go ahead and placate her with, with a good show for her anyway. Another mother, Dr. Robin, complained that the AP history, advanced placement history, is revisionist. The roles of men like Washington and President Polk in our history are being replaced with discussions of the effect on the North American and South American continent by the, I don't want to say invasion, but by the colonization by Europeans and by the forced colonization of Africans who were brought as slaves and the indigenous Americans, many of whom think they arose here from the dirt, but we know that's not true. They're Mongolians, they came over the land bridge, and questions like, how did the European colonization of the Americas affect indigenous populations? So there's fear of losing our root system, fear of losing an identity of who we are, and you may say, well, isn't it better that we have a worldwide identity so that we're not fighting each other as much? I'm all for it as long as it's our ideals that lead it. 
because so far we seem to be the best country to lead the charge in terms of morals and values and democracy and all the other things that we hold sacred in our country. Where did all this come from, this common core? It came from the OECD. By the way, I've got a question. First one, does the United States belong to OECD? And what is OECD? Does the United States belong to OECD? And what is the OECD? Give me a shout. I'm at 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860. And toll-free, 877-969-8600. That's 877-969-8600. So the OECD, Common Core, PISA, all these cute little names, Standardized testing. Is it good or bad? You know, we have to ask this. As a people, we're a little bit duplicitous about this. We agree with the SAT and the ACT. We agree with an exam at the end of each school year to move you forward to the next grade. It may be that it's more the quantity of testing rather than standardized testing because we know these tests like the FCAT and the ACT and the SAT. These are standardized tests. And we agree with performance standards to advance from grade to grade. But we don't want to test to dictate the curriculum. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it depends on the test. How do we prepare for tests if the curriculum is a mismatch to what the test is asking? Now, I've campaigned for curricula that preps for examinations, for standardized tests, and for college entrance examinations. I think it's very vital that we have a match between what we're teaching and what we're testing. And not only have a match, but have teaching oriented towards some end goal of testing, either for a job or for college or for moving on to the next grade. And not everybody does well on tests. We understand that. Some people just have a hard time with tests. So maybe what we need to be teaching is how to take tests and maybe the information and the knowledge that is needed for that is the easier part of it, that it's really more about taking tests. Well, then we're back to how many tests and why is my kid being pulled out of class so frequently to to take a test? The thing about tests is So far, we don't have any other reliable, objective means to replace these. Now, you may say, well, what about in the arts? I agree with you in the arts. The test for somebody who is going to acting school is to see how they act. But they're still going to have to read. they got to memorize the script. they got to know the play. What about people who sing? Well, they have to be literate in music. If they're going to be a professional singer, they have to read the notes. They have to be exposed to a certain amount of, of historical music and know how to implement that in their own career. And certainly there are tests for getting into acting school and singing school and performances as well. 
Another question is, do we stifle teaching creativity? Are the teachers being hamstrung even further? First, we tell them they have to get their kids from one grade to another and have to have them pass certain exam standards. And if that school doesn't perform as well as some other school, they're going to get less funding. It's a way of trying to force everybody into a more standardized and common regimen and routine. And some of that's good, and some of it isn't. Most people don't want to stifle the teacher's creativity. Another thing I see in here is dumbing down. That's another catchphrase. Does this curriculum dumb people down? My experience is that no matter how hard the left tries to make us all the same, we don't come out all the same. <laughs> you know, they're going to be the kids that will master something rapidly, and they'll move on, and we'll have advanced placement classes. We'll have honors tracks. We'll have the kids that want to be a teacher and the kids that want to be a lawyer and the kids that want to be a doctor in college. And we'll have the kids who say, you know what, high school's enough for me. I want to go work on cars and be a mechanic. You can make a good living there, too. There's something for us to do. And one more question. Will funding follow compliance schools or non-compliance schools not funded? And how did the federal government circumvent laws to fund these schools. We'll talk about that in a minute. We've got a caller on the line. Who we got, Chris? Ed. Ed, Ed. Where, Ed, where are you from, buddy? Tampa. 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 What's up, Ed? Yeah. Well, I think I've got, I've got that organization name for you. The uh, Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. Yep. And the, and the U.S. is one of the, uh, I think, 20, uh, 22 or countries I think it's gone into 32 now with a number of countries also looking to join. Uh, it started off in 1961, so it's been around a while. Yeah. And the United States is one of the founding members. That's that's right. It started off with 18 or 20. You're right. And it's, it's grown, so there are more countries involved. And so we're trying to homogenize the educational system across 32 to 35 countries. What do you think? What do you think, Ed? Is this good? Uh, well, for from what I've heard, especially uh, about uh, how it treats the, uh, the the history of the United States or how it uh, tries to minimize uh, uh, those things that we, uh, you know, we have always learned were the reasons we became a country and, and how we became so great. Uh, it, it's ashamed of it or it, it just feels that... The, that uh, you know, we we shouldn't emphasize that. And uh, uh, yep. some of, some of the one or two people that I know that support the, uh, this are people who, for years, have been telling me the U.S. doesn't deserve to have been uh, as rich and uh, as uh, uh, much of a leader in the world as it as it has. You know, so they're already feeling guilty. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I asked a I asked a, a conservative senator from Canada. Uh, one time I asked him, what's up with the liberals? He said, they're driven by guilt. They're successful, and they think that they didn't deserve it. And so now they want to share that success with other people, and they want to make you and me share that success, not just them. You know, they're successful now as politicians. But, you know, I don't know how successful they are as businessmen or women or teachers, but uh, I, I've always said that if you can't 
do, you teach. If you can't teach, you administrate. If you can't administrate, you go into politics. And there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. But you're right, Ed, and I thank you for calling. Stay on the line and give Chris your uh, your address and all that, and we'll get you a gift certificate out. But uh, I, I think that there is a sentiment in the United States, certainly my sister's voice, that, uh, that we are not worthy of what we have in a lot of ways. And so let's change our history, a revisionist history, as Dr. Robin was talking about. That's not a good thing. You know, we need to uh, make new friends, but let's keep the old, too. Let's remember the great things that Washington and Polk did. I mean, you may say, well, President Polk started a war without Congress's uh, approval, took a big chunk of Mexico away from them. He had the uh, manifest destiny that we should rule from sea to sea. You know what? From a security point of view, it's a pretty good idea. And guess what? It's worked pretty well, too. You know, and we've had a few attacks on our uh, on our cities that are on the oceans, on the Pacific and the Atlantic, but for the most part, we've been pretty safe. So self-preservation is number one. Who else is involved in this? Who else is socially engineering our culture? How about Bill Gates and his foundation? He's a big believer in this. And he, I think, gave like $2 billion to help implement the establishment of the Common Core program. But as we learn more and more about Common Core, the less likely we are to support it. Now, mainly it's in math and language arts, although, as Ed pointed out, it's spilling over into history because the content of history is considered also a linguistic art. And with that in mind, we can fiddle with the history as well. And the polls are changing between two years ago and now. Phi Delta Kappa poll and Gallup together in 2013, two-thirds of Americans had not heard of the standards. In 2014, more than 80% know a little bit at least about Common Core and are asking, what is this about? How many don't like what they hear? 60%. They oppose Common Core. Most common reason given is that it limits the teacher's classroom decisions. Given increased media coverage, the head of the Phi Delta Kappa gang says this year, we were not surprised that the majority of Americans had heard about the Common Core state standards, but we were surprised by the level of opposition. That's William Bushaw, head of the PDK. Why are you surprised? We're Americans. We don't want to be dictated to, even if it means that we're not as smart in math as Finland we have something that the Finns don't. We have a heterogeneity. We have the ability for self-starting. We can interact with the world in ways that Finland cannot and doesn't want to. And I've met Finnish people, the nice people, you know, well-educated. They have to be or they can't do anything. Everything's written. You don't go in the store and see a can with a picture of peas on it. You see a can that says peas. And if you don't know how to read, you ain't going to get peas. So the supporters of the standards and educators challenge explaining why standards are in the best interest of the U.S. Uh, certainly, more knowledge is always a good thing, if that's what we're getting. So the support for this is declining. A number of people, 55%, said standardized tests are not helpful, and I alluded to this earlier. However, 
the same people believe in the SAT and the ACT and using tests to determine if students can be promoted from one grade to the next or graduate from high school or earn college credits in advance. The majority feel local school boards should still have most influence over what the public schools are teaching. The majority say charter schools provide a better education than traditional public schools. So we like the retro back to a more disciplined classroom. Nothing wrong with that. We like the idea that we're going to set certain standards for the kids to meet. We like that. We want to know, though, what are those standards? And what is the content of those standards? Are we going to revise our total history? Why should we do that? I mean, there's really no reason. Whether you agree with it or disagree with it, you and I have made our decisions in life based upon the country that we grew up in, the culture that we are uh, and have been bathed in, and this includes George Washington. Now, whether you think he's a good guy or a bad guy isn't relevant, but you need to know about George Washington. You need to know about, we all need to know about the things that he did, what he felt, what he said, how he led the Continental Army, how he led the establishment of a of a nation, uh, and all the great things that he did, the people that he pulled in, his ability to deal with the French, the British, the Spanish, Americans from the North and the South colonies at that time. It's a great man to be emulated. All of a sudden, FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the 30s, made Jefferson the god of the revolution. Before that, Jefferson didn't have as big a role. Now, the left says Jefferson's the greatest president. Excuse me? <laughs> Nobody has matched what Washington did. Nobody could. It'd be impossible unless we had a complete revolution and a brand new George Washington who led us into a new era. So we've got the Gates. They're behind some of the funding to implement this. Why? Well, they want to shape social engineer the future of our country and of our people because they see and feel that they know what the future is going to be for jobs, for uh, working together as states and also nations working together. The best way to do this is by molding and controlling education. And there's even a, a state or a U.S. senator from Marin County, California, who's going after this in a big way. He says there are two primary forces behind Common Core. The first is a small wealthy group who wants to make money off of this and also wants to have workers that can be productive for what they want to make so they can make more money. And the second force is the federal government's desire to mold and control people by molding and controlling education. Now, these two forces found that their marriage could get them both what they wanted, money and influence. Go to the first force. The second force receives advancement towards their goal of implementing total social engineering. I don't know if it's that uh, much of a, of a conspiracy, but certainly we need to ask ourselves and stop and say, how did these things get started and why? And where did some of the kickstart money come from for Common Core? From Bill Gates, from his foundation, $2.2 billion. He gave it to the Hunt Institute for Educational Leadership. And also the federal government in 2009 
the Obama regime in an effort to circumvent the statutes that said that the federal government could not give money directly to the state educational systems to implement a federal program. They had a bribe ready. They said, well, if you accept the Common Core, you can have millions of dollars of taxpayer money. So here we go. We got social engineering. We've got economic interest. And why should they ask what your or my opinion might be of what or how our children will be taught? Because we're going to stop and, and we're going to pause and think and object if it's not what we think is in our best interest. And so it was forced down the throats of the people as an initiative before they knew what it hit. Now, the governors all got together a few years ago and decided that we did need some standardization. And, of course, the thing to adopt would be that which was already there by the OECD, the Organization for Economic, uh, what is it? Economic Cooperation and Development, who implemented initially the Common Core type of programs across the member na nations. So the federal government overtaxes the citizens, and then contrary to the Tenth Amendment, offers billions back to the states. The Tenth Amendment says that anything that is not in the Constitution or has not been voted on by the Senate and the House and passed as a bill, any, any responsibilities go back to the states. It's the state's responsibility, not the federal government. And the federal government does not have the right and should not have the ability to control that. Well, as long as we're paying them taxes, they're going to do what they want. California even agreed to implement this before they even knew what it was, just to get some more cash. Why? Because they're broke. If you're broke and somebody comes along and says, if you'll shine my shoes for five bucks and you got a couple minutes and you need a meal, you shine his shoes. What's the difference? So the objections to Common Core not only are about the content of it, but also the way in which it is, uh, has been and continues to be implemented. And there are a number of states that are now backing off and saying, wait a minute, let's take a look at this. Bill Gates has made it clear that he sees Common Core as a way to make money. It will unleash a powerful market of people providing services for better teaching. So we'll take it away from the traditionals and give it to the non-traditionals who believe what Bill Gates wants us to believe. And the curriculum is secretarian. It is lake. It doesn't involve any of the abstract or the mysticism or the religious aspects of what I learned as a kid. And I don't practice Catholicism, but certainly the morals and values and the ideals of Catholicism, of Christianity, still play a big part in my life. And I think it should in everybody else's lives, too. Not necessarily Catholicism, but some form of organized religion. Some system of codified beliefs of morals and values. And yes, morals and values change with time. If you got divorced in the 1960s in the Catholic Church, you weren't supposed to take the sacraments anymore. It may still be the same. You were, uh, you were shunned by some of the members of the church and uh, became a big problem for a lot of people, especially for the women, because they wanted to keep going to church. So they used their feet to vote, and they walked away and went to another church. Well, now divorce is common. We don't see it as an immorality or a moral stigma. But I still say that 
we need some kind of organization that is non-sectarian to remind us that we are not gods, not yet. We need to think that there's something outside of us that's bigger than us. So the federal purpose of the Common Core is to arrange students to participate in a global production system. And that's what this representative out in California feels. And certainly that looks like part of it, although I think he's maybe uh, me being a little hyperparabolic about it. He feels that it's an effort to eliminate the American spirit of courageous individuality, free thinking, and vibrant self-determination. Big word, sounds good. Our schools need to teach with the purpose of helping students understand and achieve their inherent role in the working out of liberty. That our liberty, our ideals, and our way of life should come first, and application of knowledge to everyday things like a job should be part of it, but not number one. And so this guy out here in California, he's trying hard to thwart the Common Core effort. His name is Dale Mensing of Garberville from Marin County. Marin County is the county just north of San Francisco. Beautiful county if you've never been there. If you get a chance, go take a look at it. Just lovely. So what's this all about? The new standards establish benchmarks for reading and math, replacing education goals that varied widely from state to state, homogenize it. Although the feds are not directly involved, they're given money through the back door. The feds' backdoor approach is to promising funds to states who adopt this. It circumvents, as I said before, federal statutes in Congress. Supporters say the standards will better prepare students. Critics say they amount to national curriculum, preempting states and giving more ability to a centralized government control who we are and what we are. The standards are spelled out grade by grade with reading and math skills uh, being well-defined. For instance, a first grader should be able to use story pictures and details to describe characters in a book. That's all well and fine. What book are you going to use? That's the problem, see? That's where you get into it. If you say, well, you're going to use uh, Bambi, which I think is one of the most anti-white male writings that was ever made. Everything was fine until man came into the forest. And not, not black men, not oriental men. It was a white man with a gun. Thank you, Walt Disney. So we dropped a few notches. Forget that. A lot of the world has been built by the knowledge of the Europeans and the Americans and England and her children, predominantly white or Caucasian. And my friends from India, they say, well, the brown people, this and the brown people. I say, dude, you're a Caucasian. They're part of the Caucasian family. They are not Mongolians. And they've built a lot. And that's not to say other cultures haven't done a lot, but certainly, at least within the most recent history, we've been doing very well for ourselves and for the rest of the world. The world has gotten better because of the technology, the industry, the advancements, the fertilization of the land, the hybridization of seeds. People can feed themselves. They can go to a job. They've got electronics. Everybody's connected. And ultimately, that's what's going to homogenize us, not a set of standards coming out of a small group of uh, intellectual effetes and political and social Darwinists, but out of 
the technology that is allowing all of us to be connected and interact. That's what's going to do it. And with that, I'm going to go change my diaper. I'll be right back. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. We don't need no force control No dark sarcasm in the classroom Teacher, leave them kids alone With SRN News, I'm Michael Harrington in Washington. The ceasefire signed in Ukraine just two days ago may be coming apart. A civilian was killed in shelling in the port city of Maripol today, and explosions have been heard near the airport in Donetsk. Members of Congress are pressing President Obama for a plan to combat the Islamic State group, which has beheaded two American journalists. Mr. Obama plans to meet with congressional leaders at the White House on Tuesday. A hospital spokesman says a doctor who caught Ebola while working in Liberia visited via video link with two of his family members today at the Nebraska facility where he's being treated. Dr. Rick Sacra is apparently doing a little better. And an evacuation order has been lifted in central California for most of the 300 homes near Yosemite National Park as firefighters have made headway in fighting a wildfire. This is SRN News. Dennis Prager doesn't want you to be depressed over the news of the day. Forget the depression stuff. The issue is, this is the world. Appreciate America more and fight. Don't let America go down the tube that every other country or nearly every other country goes down. That's what you got to do. People are getting their heads cut, but you can't handle reading about it. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. The Dennis Prager Show, weekdays at noon, right after Mike Gallagher at 9, on Talk Radio 860, WGUL. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. How have the so-called intellectuals mischaracterized the impact of race in America? Well, Town Hall Magazine's cover story this month examines race from the perspective of Dr. Thomas Sowell, one of our brightest minds. You'll also find out how much President Obama's green agenda could cost us and whether concealed carry would be a good idea in our schools and our churches. Great reading. There's a very special offer waiting when you log on to townhallmagazine.com and subscribe. Do it today, townhallmagazine.com. It's time. Your old, inefficient windows and doors have to go. Maybe they're drafty, not working like they should, or just old and outdated. So call Pella, the start-to-finish window and door replacement solution. A Pella professional will come to you and help you choose the right products for your home and budget. And on installation day, a Pella expert installer will lead their team, with most projects completing in as little as a day. Exceptionally energy-efficient Pella products can brighten rooms and help block the outside noise your current windows and doors may be letting in. Plus, when you work with Pella, your windows and doors and their installation, including labor, are covered for up to 10 years. That's the Pella Care Guarantee. See Pella.com for details. Now is the time to upgrade to Pella. Schedule a free consult today and you'll get 40% off qualifying Pella projects or special financing. Certain restrictions apply. Visit Pella.com slash radio or call 800-331-3950. That's 800-331-3950. 800-331-3950. 
We're looking at partly sunny skies today with a few showers and a thunderstorm. High 88 showers and thunderstorms are likely this evening. Otherwise, it will be partly cloudy tonight, low 76. Partly sunny tomorrow with a few showers and a thunderstorm, high 88. And Tuesday, expect a blend of clouds and sunshine with a few showers and thunderstorms in the afternoon, high 89. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Benny Thompson for Talk Radio 860 WG. your radio md heard a little bit of pink floyd another brick in the wall if you remember the lyrics to that hey teacher leave them kids alone so they were talking about the social and uh economic molding of kids in schools back in the 70s and 80s and goes right to what we're talking about today the orwellian approach to one size fits all the common core we've been talking about common core which is uh, an offshoot of the OECD, although some of our liberal friends in the press either don't know or have not been willing to say that. But the OECD is an international organization of about 32 countries, including the United States, who are determining the future of the world and what we need and uh, how we will interact and what will be in the best interest of our economies and our day-to-day lives. And well, That's all well and fine, but uh, uh, thank you. I think I'll do a little bit of that on my own. Apparently, they haven't done such a great job so far since we're so deep in debt that we can't even swim to the shore of a balanced budget or see it. But that's a whole other story. So we were talking about the Common Core, what the first graders are expected is to be able to look at a picture book and describe the details and the characters and the second graders be able to compare and contrast two versions of a story like Cinderella. And first grade students in math should be able to add and subtract. Third grade, they should be able to do multiplication and division. That's fine, lofty goals. And the Common Core says it's not a day-to-day curriculum that dictates teachers' lessons. It's a set of standards and a set of exam preps that are considered more rigorous and will even out across all the states in the United States as well as all the nations that are in the membership. And the Common Core says this will require students to think and reason more. Maybe. English standards are supposed to rely on a more even mix of literature and informational text. What does this mean? I don't like that. That's that. That we need to take a look at. So liter- literary and informational text, the text that they quote is like the Declaration of Independence. Uh, excuse me, isn't that what Thomas Jefferson wrote? It's a nice letter. You know, the first paragraph is beautiful. And, of course, it's what the left has grabbed onto to say that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of our own personal happiness. And, by the way, you guys that go to work are going to pay for it. Uh, Excuse me. Why don't we have them read the Constitution starting in the second and third grade? That makes more sense. 
if you read the whole Declaration of Independence, it's mostly a, you know, a blank off to King George. And here's why, because you're not protecting us. There's pirates on our coast. The Indians are attacking us. You promised us land west of the Appalachians, and now you're going back on that, and you're taxing us without representation. So it's really just a, a big uh, list of this is why we're leaving home, Dad, and we're gone. And the math standards, they're supposed to now focus on not only the how, but the why of problem solving, as I mentioned earlier from one of the moms, uh, one of the nurse mothers at the hospital who jumped me on this and said, why don't you do a show on it? Therefore, the standardized tests are designed to track students' progress and are supposed to be more involved than the typical fill-in-the-bubble exams. Now, I don't know about you guys, but the exams I took through school and maybe this is coming through Catholic, Catholic parochial school, were certainly no bubble exams. And the topics of that time were incorporated into the teaching, especially at the high school level. We spent one whole semester discussing the SALT I nuclear arms treaty between uh, Kennedy and Khrushchev, and then Johnson picked it up after that. And it was pretty pretty, pretty forward thinking for a bunch of high school kids, junior and senior high school kids. But we should be thinking about these things, and I'm all for getting that in here. Let's think about big things. But let's think about the big things that we agree upon are the big things and not the big things that a small group of people who have a vested interest in social engineering think are the things that we need to be talking about. I don't think so. I don't like that. It it really bothers me. Let me give you an example because, you know, I promised this early on in the show. And this is a good math problem for the grade level in which it was attended. I like this problem. But now you're going to get the social and the uh, political side of it here as a result of global warming. Whoops. Global warming. The result is that the ice of some glaciers is melting. Twelve years after the ice disappears, tiny plants called lichens, they grow on the rocks, we've all seen them, start to grow on the rocks. And each lichen grows approximately in the shape of a circle. And the relationship between the diameter from one side of the circle to the other and the age of the lichen, how many years it's been there, can be approximated with this formula. The diameter is equal to seven times the square root of T divided by 12. And so the D is the diameter and the T is the number of years. So you can estimate the number of years that the ice has been gone, the glacier's been gone. I think it's a great math problem, but why global warming? Why this at this time in history? Why not do it about something else that's more neutral? Why pick a topic that is as controversial as global warming so you can just stimulate a discussion about global warming or convince kids that are coming through school that uh, global warming and recycling is what's going to save us? Give me a break. I need some help here. How on earth is global warming awareness, which is debatable, and recycling, which certainly makes less landfill and keeps the waters a little cleaner. But so far, we haven't seen that it's had any great effect on us as a species, not like polio vaccination 
or antibiotics or IV fluids and blood transfusions or the CDC working to find a way to contain the Ebola virus. And I don't think recycling has helped anybody in that respect. I'm not saying not to recycle. I'm all for it. I like the idea of less landfill, but that's more emotional. I don't have any hard scientific evidence. And if it exists, I'm glad to hear about it. But I don't have any that says that this is uh, going to help us as a species. might make us more aware, and that's good. But this question, we had questions like that in school. I don't, it's not a hard question for me, and it wasn't a hard question for me in the eighth grade. But why global warming? Anybody who says that there's not an element of, of Orwellian uh, socialization and control in this, everybody remembers George Orwell, Brave New World and all that, is not looking at this objectively. They're looking at it emotionally and saying, yeah, we are getting too hot. The planet's melting and we're all going to die. The earth is going to die. Well, first of all, the earth's not going to die. The earth will be here long after you and I leave. And long after there's a species of humans on this planet, they'll be on earth. So I don't know what all that flap is about. A bunch of nonsense. I'm more concerned about the acidification of the ocean from carbon dioxide, not the heating up of the planet. That's what we need to look at more thoroughly, is what is it doing to our oceans, and how is the ocean going to adjust to this? And we haven't even sampled below four or 5,000 feet in, in the water to see what's going on in the deep oceans, and we don't even have any benchmarks. We have to drill through ancient ice beds at the bottom of the sea to find out. We're just starting to tap that, that energy and that information source. So it's a great problem, but it's not appropriate, in my opinion, for mathematics. You want to talk about global warming, put it in a social studies course. Let's, let's see it for what it is. It is a discussion of science and of social awareness and also of our perceptions. And these things don't need to be in a math problem. You need to know how to do the math. You need to know how to add, subtract, multiply, and divide. Who cares about stirring up a political or social debate? By the way, does anybody know what the PISA stands for, P-I-S-A? It's an offshoot of the OECD. That's P-I-S-A. Give me a call. I'll give you a gift certificate. 813-289-1860. That's 813-289-1860. 1860 and toll free outside of Tampa Bay 877-969-8600 that's 877-969-8600 well you may wonder how many states have adopted this initially almost all the states signed on to it the only states that held back were Alaska Texas Nebraska Virginia Minnesota adopted only the English standards. Minnesota, uh, this is one of the most progressive states, I so thought. And who pushed it initially? National Governors Association and councils of chief state school officers. They, quote, quote, developed the standards with help from teachers, parents, and experts. That's not true. That's not true. That's bull poop. This is right out of the OECD and the PISA. 
and these standards are seen as a set of uniform benchmarks. Ensure high school grads from any state will be ready for college, is one of the claims, without having to take remedial classes. And many states have turned to the CC, Common Core, to show that they are preparing students for college or career. And they also get some federal money. One of the key conditions education department identified as qualification to win the money from this quote, quote, race to the top competition was that they accept and adopt these standards. So the Department of Education did not explicitly push the Common Core standards, but the results have been there's an increased use of these standards in order to meet the somewhat couched requirements of the Department of Education. And if you think it's not a liberal organization under Obama, think again. You better think ten times. What should we do with the Department of Education? Get rid of it. We don't need it. We've got governor's councils. We've got states working together. We can pull together and do this in a way that is more palatable and more equitable and more in line with our beliefs, our morals, and our values as a nation, our ethos, our national characteristics. Well, how's this thing working out so far? Some states have begun testing, and it may be too early. Kentucky, my home state, was the first state to adopt and fully implement these standards. You may not think of Kentucky as a liberal state, but a lot of the things that are tried within our republic have been tried initially in Kentucky including 18-year-age voting and implementation of public health clinics for women and children. How do I know this? Because my mother set them up at a time when there weren't many of these anywhere else. So what's the result? Initially, uh, the math and English proficiency has dropped by a third in the first testing, that was in 2011 and 12. The proficiency levels also plummeted in New York State after they fully implemented it. But the educational leaders cautioned, and I can understand this, that the results reflect higher standards rather than declining student achievement and aptitude. I can accept that. Let's, let's see it, though. Let's put, let's put the 12th grade math questions of the old way on the right, and the new one's on the left, and let's see if they match up. Let's see if they're the same uh, or if one is more in-depth, more complicated, and requires a greater understanding, more study, and more knowledge. So who in the federal government is pushing this for Obama? The Department of Education Secretary Arne Duncan. He's a high-profile supporter. He said, I find this hard to believe he said this. That sounds stupid to me. He recently said Common Core may prove to be the single greatest thing to happen to public education in America since Brown versus the Board of Education. Remember when the uh, kid Brown was integrating into, I think it was the Arkansas school system somewhere, Little Rock or somewhere, that that was the greatest educational event in the 20th century. Now listen, I, I, I believe in integration. And I don't have a problem with schools being open to anybody and everybody, white, colored, Jew, Hindu, Christian, Muslim. I don't care. Let's get them all in there. Let's teach everybody. An educated population is a healthier population. But how can you put 
a court decision, Common Core. How can you put that even anywhere close to the computer revolution? I, you know, we, we learn more sitting at lunch with our smartphones and, and checking each other out when we say something than I could have learned in all. There is no way that this or the Brown versus the Board of Education, uh, Common Core, these two things are not the two greatest things that have ever happened to education. I don't know what this guy's smoking. Well, maybe I do. I guess it's illegal almost everywhere now. Holy moly, Chris, what are we going to do? The world's going to pot, literally. And many opponents argue that decisions around education should be made at the local level and say the national standards take away too much control. Yeah, I'm all for that. Efforts to repeal or slow down Common Core have sprung up in several states. Meanwhile, the Republican National Committee has passed a resolution calling the standards an inappropriate overreach to standardization and control the education in an attempt to control the education of our children. We'll fight over that. Even, even Democrats are up in arms about that. So the Republicans are <clears throat> working on a rewrite of the No Child Left Behind laws that adopted a few years ago. We still haven't had a call on <clears throat> PISA, what it stands for. If anybody knows that, give me a shout. 813-289-1860-877-969-8600. A lot of good things have happened. But whether or not it's happened to us, and at this time, and with this, I don't know what you call it, this uh new, it's an attempt, it's a stimulus, it's a avant-garde, I don't know what it is, but I'm not sure that this is what we need to be doing. We need to take a close look at it. And we need to think about what it's teaching. You know, it's saying things like, we're going to teach critical thinking and problem solving. What did I learn? What did you learn? Isn't that what we did? Didn't we read things and have interaction? <clears throat> Here's another thing, it's supposed to teach communication. What are you talking about? We don't communicate. Collaboration. Hey, we didn't build this country on our own. No one person did this. As I said last week, it's industrialists, it's the laborers, it's the planners, it's the mid-level management. Everybody's had a part in this. And creativity and innovation. What We're not teaching that? Give me a break. Up until recently, most of the innovations in the world had come out of the United States over the past hundred years. That's not to say that the Germans, who uh, spearheaded organic and inorganic chemistry in the 19th century, or the Danes, who contributed a lot to the development of nuclear energy and the atomic bomb, or France, who has been a leader in vaccinations and all kinds of uh, medical breakthroughs, uh, you know, and China's in the mix now. Let's face it, just the, the scale of our economy, the size of our economy and our numbers of people and our freedom to investigate and explore have made us and the world a much, much better place. Does that mean we stop doing what we're doing? No. Let's keep going, but let's give this Common Core and the Program for International Student Assessment, ESA, that's from the OECD, 
let's take a look at that and the common core values. It's getting close to the end of the show. I think it was a great show, and I appreciate you guys being there. And I want to thank Ed for giving us a shout-out, and uh, make sure he gets a certificate, buddy. This is Dr. Bill. I'm your Radio MD, and I'll see you next week. I love you guys. Bye-bye. All right now, how much for the beautiful Victorian chair? Hundred of the biometric, two hundred, three hundred dollars, four, five hundred dollars, six, seven hundred dollars. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.